I grew up with a lopsided musical education. Not a single bit of Irish music is in my memory from childhood or from all the years that I was growing up in Limerick. I was interested in music from the UK. I was interested in music from USA. And I kind of looked down my nose at music from France. Johnny Holiday was uh, somebody I remember listening to briefly in France when I was at school and staying with a family in France. I thought that Johnny Holiday was a poor imitation of well-produced music from the United States. There were no Irish rock groups. Perhaps Johnny Doohan, I can't remember what the name of the group that he played with from Limerick, was, uh, was a good breaker of the mould. But Irish show band music, Dickie Rock, Brendan Boyer, all of that, passed me by and I adopted an attitude of disdain towards it. I suppose it would do me good to find music by Dickie Rock and Brendan Boyer and add a little bit to this musical autobiography. This is part five of my musical autobiography, which at the rate at which I'm going will have many, many parts to it. Let me find a little bit of the Hucklebuck. But before I do that, let me just recall the Irish traditional music that was around the siege of Limerick, the walls of Ennis, or was it the walls of Ennis, or the walls of Limerick and the siege of Ennis. None of those appealed to me. They all seemed like a hone, a hone, a terrible, miserable life we've had singing the hard songs of the, the poor Irish who had suffered I don't know, under the weather, under the English, under the whatever it was. But I guess in the 1960s, it would be fair to say that Brendan Boyer and the Hucklebuck were a first stab of producing music which might appeal to people in other countries as well as appeal to people in Ireland. Dickie Rock was huge in Ireland. Because my musical attention was focused in other places, namely the doors, like my fire, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Granny's intentions, uh, Johnny Doohan and Granny's intentions. I've dug it out in order to have another listen to it. This came from Limerick, and I have to say, on reflection, 
it really was pretty good performance in 1967. David Muller was a clock who lived in the dark, spent eight hours a day. so slow to have them go David wrote poems in the afternoon to think why on earth do do I compare that with light my fire you know that it would be untrue you know that I would be a liar if I was to say to you girl we couldn't get much higher Yes, it was a long way from Limerick that my focus was. The next step that stands out in my memory about what did I do in my musical life was to get out of Limerick and go to Dublin. And it was in Dublin that I first began to feel enthusiastic about classical music. I stayed for two years in a hostel while the first two years at university And funnily enough, in the first year, you could fall out of bed and walk across the road and you'd be at the university in less than five minutes. Very convenient when you've been up very late the night before. But in this particular hostel called Hatch Hall, run by Jesuits, a small group of us, Bill Whelan, Eddie O'Grady, I wish I could remember other... Oh, Bill Higgins, set up a group called the Circular Motion Group. And that was a musical appreciation society. And that's a story for another episode. So the Circular Motion Group and Rachmaninoff are coming down the tracks sometime soon. 
My goodness, listening back to what I have recorded here, I realize that I've been completely lopsided in my perceptions. See, I completely forgot the influence of Percy French songs on me. They're Irish songs. So even though Irish traditional music wasn't an influence on me at all, the songs of Percy French certainly were. And they resonate even today. And I have a fair amount of nostalgia for Percy French. So this takes me right back to the beginning of this episode in my autobiography. And I think, oh my goodness, this autobiography must be full of half-truths. <laughs>